Welcome to the DC Daily Drop, your one-stop shop for today's important news in DC movies, TV, and comics. Here are your hosts, Tom and Zach. Welcome to a Tuesday, December 5th edition of the DC Daily Drop. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. We'll start off today talking this weekend's box office numbers from Justice League. Just a little quick update. All these numbers here and projections come from Gitesh Pandya of Box Office Guru. He's usually pretty good at uh, getting those numbers right. So domestically, the film finished number two again with 16.6 million. So it's about 197 million total. It's expected to cross 200 million today. Um, it's interesting that it'll be in the, the top 10 films of the year, which we, we, you know, we've talked a lot about how this has been a disappointment and, uh, you know, a disappointing result and everything like that. But you know, for DC to have a, a pretty significant disappointment and we realize it's in the top 10, that still points out how much of a big uh, desire there is for these characters. Yeah, and it it does really show out just the scale of these movies, like compared to all of the other movies that are in the box office across the year. Even if it doesn't really live up to expectations, it's still bringing in a lot more people than some of the other movies are. Yeah, and a quote a quote unquote disappointing movie finishing with such a good number it proves you you know WB knows they need to make more DC movies, um, right? And so uh, we're gonna get more one way or the other. Uh, internationally, it finished with. Another thirty-six million, so it's about three hundred and seventy million dollars total. It passed BVS and Wonder Woman in China, and it's going to top a hundred million there. So that's good. Yeah, that's there are there is good news about this. I, I think all the times that we've talked about the box office already, we've been a little down just because it is not what we wanted. But there is definitely good stuff coming out of this, and it's still making way more money than I will ever see in my lifetime. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, yeah. Again, like. <laughs> So the the worldwide total is at five hundred sixty seven million. It should finish around seven hundred million. Seven hundred million being a quote unquote disappointment shows how how like how big these films are. How much what what the expectations are for these films. So uh, seven hundred million isn't a number that really anybody would be happy with. You know anybody at Warner Brothers or anything like that. Right. But for that to be a worst case scenario, I mean. Like the good news is a worst case scenario. That's still a lot of money. You know, so many films, um, even blockbuster films would kill for 700 million. Yeah, exactly. You know, something like Kong's Coal Island made, I think it was 560 or something like that earlier this year. That was a runaway box office hit. You know, that's like a big hit. And then they're going forward with that universe. The difference is, I think it was made for 185 million. Right. Um, it was not so, a $300 million film. Right. All right. Moving on, we have some just kind of assorted. Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman news. Uh, first up, Jenkins has been named to the Times shortlist of 10 people for the 2017 Person of the Year, and she's actually the only female on that list. So it is awesome in one sense that she is represented there. Not sort of awesome that out of 10 people, there's only one female. That kind of stinks. Yeah. It, I looked at the <laughs> list. It's an interesting. Yeah. I think interesting <laughs> is the word to describe the collection of 10 people there. Um you know, some of them, you wonder if they're just on there for marketing purposes or, or to get buzz around it like that. But Patty Jenkins being on there, she's obviously been tremendously influential. Influential, uh, How that's judged as a person of the year, I don't know what their standards are, um, but it just shows the kind of impact she's had. Yeah, and it's just, it's awesome. We've talked about this before, but just a good reminder of how, like, how amazingly her career has progressed. You know, we talked about how she was at one point she couldn't afford to like go to the award ceremony because she didn't have enough money from the movies she did and now she is 
in contention for the time the times person of the year that's a that's a pretty big turnaround right yeah it was, it was for monster her, her one other feature film right <laughs> prior to uh, a wonder woman she made 60 a flat sixty thousand for award season you know charlize theron gets uh an oscar and patty can't even pay dresses and travel to right. the award <laughs> show so it's it's such a good feel-good story um for all the recognition she's got for doing such a tremendous job yeah uh, another piece of recognition like that she's also been named to the bloomberg 50 which is the executives, entrepreneurs, experts, and entertainers whose 2017 merits, applause, and recognition, or in a few instances, just recognition. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, another thing, good recognition for Patty. Yeah. I think I think she merits applause. Um, I'll, I'll give her applause. <laughs> yes. Anyways, uh, so moving on to some of the the Wonder Woman two kind of stuff, uh, she clarified some of the sequel comments that maybe were taken and talked about, and she specifically was. Uh, replying to the Collider headline, and I think a lot of news sites kind of went with this too, where it says Wonder Woman 2 will have a new love story and will maintain a thematic focus like the first film. And I think specifically she's addressing the new love story part. Yeah, and, and that's, and just to be clear, like this isn't a situation where uh, sites are doing clickbaits. We talked about clickbait right, or yeah. something like that. We talked about this. She literally said there would be another new love story. We just talked about this last week or the week before. Uh, she said there would be a new love story, but it's not quite necessarily the love story as we thought, maybe. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I, th I think I worded that like they were misconstruing her words or taking it out of context. They were literally using the words that she said. Um, <laughs> so she wanted to clarify a bit. And she said, quite a few people, including this headline, seem to be completely misunderstanding or making some pretty false assumptions based on any one of many vague quotes I made about something I can't say anything about. Just wait winky face <laughs> yeah and, and that's this is just a good reminder we always try to you know we get such scarce amounts this is a couple years away this film and you know any comment we just try to us too you know we're guilty of this we try to draw as much from it as we can and I, listening to that podcast she is incredibly vague and so yeah. we just latch on to whatever direct quote she says and sometimes she doesn't mean them as literally as we thought so she says love story she could be talking about another romantic love story she could be talking about how Wonder Woman was a story about just in general love. You know, it could right. be something like that. And it could be totally 100% off. So, uh, you know, this is just us taking information. But yeah. So she was more vague about vague comments she made, which she yeah. has to be at this point. Yeah. And it just, it does kind of show just how uh, interested people are in Wonder Woman and the sequel to Wonder Woman that, you know, we're kind of rapidly fighting over scraps of any words that we can get from Patty Jenkins about it. Yeah, that's how this uh, how this industry is when it comes to, yeah. uh, to superhero movies and everything right now. On to TV. So Black Lightning, the CW released a an origin trailer for Black Lightning. I think it played live with Supergirl last night, which was pretty cool to see. And it's, it's out there on YouTube if you want to see more. Um, what do you think of this, Zach? Yeah, there was a lot of cool new stuff. We got to see um, the whale, uh, Tobias, kind of just, just walking down his steps, but... Even that looked intimidating, so I I like the look from that already. I don't. There's nothing. He's just wearing a suit, but he just like looks like an intimidating guy. Um, but yeah, we got to see some more of like the tech sort of in action. He's like working on his suit. I'm excited for that. Another smart superhero, especially with tech stuff. I really like that. And then we get to see like the family huddled together. That's a really interesting new thing that we keep talking about with Black Lightning, and also the the fact that we don't have the. It's I like that they called it Origin. Because it's not going to be the traditional origin where we meet a character and they like figure out that they have powers or 
learn how to use them or whatnot. Like he's already been a superhero, but he retired and now he's coming back. So that's, that's another interesting, unique thing about this show. Absolutely. Uh, I always talk about how I like that it, everything looks so different from the other CW shows and how they're approaching it very differently. As much as I like, uh, you know, the Arrowverse and everything like that, this is a, this is, it's finally a hero. That's not a, a 25 year old first, uh, becoming a superhero story yeah. that we've seen, that we've seen a lot of times. And I, I love those. I watch those every time, but I like that this is a guy who's, you know, in his mid forties probably, and he's fought crime before he's coming back to do it again. And he's sort of, he's got that world weary, you know, almost beat down and he's got to fight back. I just really like that. And I'm a fan of Cress Williams too. So that helps. He's aged really well. I think he's like 47 and he just looks in, in great shape. I just watched the, a Lois and Clark episode from season three in 96 where he Mm -hmm. played the villain. Uh, (laughs) So, and he, he, he doesn't look like he's aged that much. So he's, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see him in action and we're, we're just over a month away now. Yeah. Uh, and then wrapping up, we had some crossover feedback from at Salvatore Chief on Twitter. Had a great time watching the crossover. The fight scenes were amazing. Arrow should not have married Felicity, but I loved it. I agree with Tom about Dark Arrow. Also, Dark Kara was Kara with some red kryptonite. But for me, Reverse Flash was the best. Yeah, well, since he agrees with me, I will agree <laughs> with him. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a really good point. I think, you know, the the fight scenes, I didn't mention them, but they were really well done for the epic scope they were trying to get done and a constrained schedule and budget. They, I thought they did an excellent job with that. Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts again on the, the villains? Uh, I actually, I liked them quite a bit. I thought they, I know that you talked about how dark arrow was basically the same as arrow, but I don't know. I, I kind of liked that they were so similar because it shows just how close to the edge arrow kind of lives. Um, but it also shows that when, you know, when things get toughest, when it actually gets down to the line, he does have those morals that he stands by and the things that he's fighting for. And that that is what makes him different. And Dark Kara, yeah, she was basically just Kara with red kryptonite. But I don't know. I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I think those are all, all sort of fair points. And I think that's a valid approach, you know, having Arrow be similar uh, with just some some minor, you know, differences in there, how they were raised. I think that's a valid approach. To me, it's less interesting because I, you know, it's almost exactly the arrow I get to see every week. So yeah, getting to see a different version would have been something else. You know, I thought about this. This is hindsight, and so it, it doesn't really matter. But looking back, I wonder if they would have been better served having the villains rather than being heroes that were already going to have a big role in the crossover. If they had taken other characters who didn't have a role in the crossover and yeah. have them sort of, you know, like what if instead of Overgirl, you have a Martian Manhunter who is evil and mm-hmm. you know have a few heroes like that uh evil versions of them i think that would have been that probably would have helped them uh filming wise and i think it would have been interesting just to see more different characters but i I was very excited to see the the evil versions as well so i'm not really complaining about that i thought it would be a cool hypothetical see i was thinking that would actually make it harder just to manage all the logistics just because there's one more person's schedule you have to deal with if you were going to use different people for the for the like anti-hero people not anti-hero, dark versions, villains. Yeah, I don't know. I've never run a TV show, but it, you would think. Yeah. It, <laughs> I would think it would be easier to have two people do a scene once than one person do a scene twice. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, but not a big deal. I just thought it, that's interesting. Maybe something they could do in the future. Yeah, but overall, I still I I loved this crossover. It was a it was a ton of fun. 
Oh yeah, this is definitely nitpicks. Um, you know, yeah. overall, I really enjoyed it, uh, and just some curious things to think about. And as we look forward to the next crossover, well, that is all we have for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and make sure to check out DC Daily Drop on Twitter, Facebook, and dcdailydrop.com. Drop by tomorrow for more DC news.